Hello, Gems! Welcome to another episode of TRs in Tech. I'm your host, Shelly Benhoff, and today I'm talking to the amazing Chloe Condon, and she is a developer advocate at Google and a tech influencer. We talked about her experience in theater, her job as a developer advocate, and our shared love of the 90s. Without further ado, on to the episode. Hey, Chloe. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for asking me. Absolutely. I never thought you'd say yes. I told you that. <laughs> you know, it's it's very hit or miss with my DMs. Like, I my friend, my good friends will tell you, I either respond in two seconds or like two months. So yeah. got me on a good day. <laughs> That's how I am too. Well... <laughs> I got lucky. That's awesome. Cool. So let's just uh, jump right in and have you tell us how. Uh, <laughs> you, ooh, <laughs> my my stutter is coming out today. How did you get into tech? Yeah, um, I got here. I would say on accident, but I'm very much a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Um, so I come from a very non traditional background. My parents were artists. Um, my dad is a playwright and my mom was a costume designer. And so I very much grew up backstage. Um, had a lot of computers in my life, was very good at computers, I would say, but it was never something that someone in my life of many artists and, you know, various family members never went like, hey, that's that's a, that's a job. That's something you can do. So inevitably, I wound up um, in the performing arts. I went to a performing arts high school. I did theater all throughout, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, went to, went to college for performing arts, um, graduated with a theater degree. Um, and I went to school in San Francisco um, at San Francisco State. And what was interesting about that is, you know, once you graduate, at least no one told me you know, when you're an actor, you're not going to be working full-time as an actor 24-7. A lot of it is luck on if, like, do they need a five-foot-two blonde woman? And if they do, you better hope that there aren't 25 to 30 other five-foot-two blonde white women at the audition. Spoiler alert, there always is. Uh, it's kind of like the Twilight Zone. You're like, oh, everybody here looks like me. Um, so I discovered quite quickly that I needed a nine-to-five Monday through Friday job, which is, um, you know, I worked in retail all through college, but um, my dream job, I should mention, dream job, I put loosely in quotes because it's not my dream job anymore, was there was this job at Kaiser Permanente, the um, medical uh, service, where you would tour around uh, elementary schools and middle schools um, and do like shows like Nightmare on Puberty Street, where you like rap about puberty or like eat your fruits and vegetables every day. And I wanted this job so bad, girl, like because it had health insurance and it was like the only two jobs in the Bay Area at that time. And I think, well, not currently because um, the second one doesn't exist anymore. We're Beach Blanket Babylon, um, which was a long running show in San Francisco where they weren't union, I don't think, but they all got health insurance <laughs> and Kaiser Permanente because they are a health insurance company. Um, and I thought, oh, this is this is it. Like, this is my jam because I, I played mostly teens and children because I looked very young for my age, but I didn't get it. And I was like, well, crap. Um, so I, I stumbled into tech. My first job in tech, I got from a Craigslist post, I want to say at Yelp, before Yelp was like the Yelp that we know today. It was pre-IPO and it was an account executive I didn't know what that was. Um, turns out it's sales. <laughs> but, uh, and I hated the job. I was so bad at it. They're like, it's going to be great. You just read a script and you, it was, it was tele, telesales pretty much. You'd call up and be like, hey, I'd like to call about your Yelp page. People would be like, I don't know what Yelp is. This is illegal. You can't make a website. This is like before anybody <laughs> understood what a, what a review website was. Um, so, uh, but I was like, oh my God, there's free deli meat and like free sparkling water and like a pool table and as someone who worked mostly at like summer camps and as a nanny and you know like like I thought wow like tech is cool I want to work I, I got in it for the free food um <laughs> that's my origin story um but from there I just randomly uh my next job because obviously I, I hated the sales job I got a job at Zirtual, which is, was a 
virtual personal assistant service. I was the very first virtual assistant. I then worked at, I was, uh, I worked as an office manager, a recruiter, an executive assistant. I did everything in tech except for engineering because I didn't know what it was. I was like, these dudes come into work every day with these hoodies on and these huge headphones. If you're watching the podcast now, I'm now wearing pink, huge headphones. Um, but I thought it was like an engineer was someone with an, a hammer and nails putting a computer together. I had no idea what that was. So um, it truly, when I, when I was working for um, a company that, that did these talks, that was called Nuco, and they would go to different cities, and, and the talks would be inside the companies. And they did one in Silicon Valley, and there was one at Google. So I was like, oh, my God, I got to go to the Google campus. It's going to be so cool. Of course, the uh, building that the talk was in was probably the most uninteresting, boring, you know, building like on campus somewhere. Um, but the talk was really important and pivotal to my career because it was um, it was about how to get young women, specifically middle school, high school, elementary school girls interested in programming. And I'm sitting there, 26, 27 years old at the time going, oh, man, like, I wish this was around when I was little, because I started thinking about it, <clears throat> I was like, what characters from pop culture or even people in my life did I have that looked like me or sounded like me who um, worked as an engineer or were in tech? And the only one, and I have an action figure on my desk of her, is Gadget from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And she's a chipmunk. She's not even a human. Like, this is this is a rodent. Um, and, and that was like a huge epiphany for me where I was like wow, like that would have been like representation, first of all, is so important. And secondly, like my ship has sailed. I wish that I had, you know, that they were doing these things um, when I was younger. And so I came home, I just started dating my boyfriend. And uh, I was like, oh man, I Googled girls who code. I, I looked up all these things. I, I just so wish these resources were around when I was younger. And it literally took my boyfriend going, who is a very uh, senior Android engineer. Um, he was like, you know, you can still learn. Right. And that was it for me. Like I started doing online classes. I of course got targeted ads for boot camps, <laughs> which I started looking into and I left my office manager job that I hated. I hated this job so much that I would cry in the bathroom and also just go on a walk and listen to let it go. And just like, <laughs> like let it go. Like I was so miserable. Um, and I had never known to, like in my in my t career in my lifetime up to that point, I had never had a, a career. Like I I just always viewed my job as I should also mention I was working nine to five Monday through Friday so I could do theater nights and weekends. So like while all of this was happening and during the day and I was miserable and I felt like Cinderella was like sweeping the floor. Um, at night I was like on stage starring in Bay Area musicals like to standing ovation. So it was very Superman um, complex for me. So what has been like fast forward to now, like I went through, I went to Hackbright, which is an all female software engineering boot camp here in uh, San Francisco, and um, yeah, like the rest is kind of history. I went into that boot camp thinking, oh, I'm going to be a junior developer, like most people who who get into um, go through a boot camp do, but um, I discovered that developer evangelism or developer relations or developer advocacy is a job. And that literally, this is like another boyfriend conversation. I was like, that part of your job where you give talks, is that a job? Because I had been on stage performing in front of thousands of people my whole life. He's like, actually, yeah, let me introduce you to some people. So it truly, like, there were so many pieces of the journey. Like, I never would have thought, I now work at Google, which is insane to me that this has come so full circle. Like, if you'd asked me that, eight years ago, I'd be like, are you high? Like, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I, I don't even know what code is. Um, but yeah, I think that like so much of my journey as an actress, as like someone, like <laughs> I played an ogre, like people ask me like, how do you not get nervous? And I'm like, I had to do a quick change into an ogre makeup with a wedding dress. Like nothing scares me, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I'm here a very, as, as my friend Meg likes to say, a very wiggle noodle path. Like people say, how do you get into developer relations? And I, I can give a rough guideline, but like my path was so specific to me. But I think like the important part of my journey that I that I like to tell everyone is you never know where it's going to take you like you may end up taking a course or, or learning a thing thinking oh I'm going to be an engineer I'm going to be you know and you may be the world's greatest PM like there's there's really no way of knowing so 
I'm, I would say I'm here by accident, but it's no accident. Like I worked, I worked very hard to get to this particular spot, but never in a million years would I think I would be in this spot, if that makes sense. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's amazing. So much to unpack there. First of all, we're the same height. Yay. Five, two. Five, two. Tongs in your kitchen to get things from a high cabinet or I shelf. I should. I, oh, I have a yeah, stool, girl. a reliable stool. We have two floors of our of our condo. A stool goes a long way with me. Mm. Um, I also just deep cleaned our our home because my my parents um, or my my boyfriend's parents are visiting, and. Mm. Um, I'm sure you've seen all those TikToks where like holding up my cat or my grandma so they can see the world at my height. That's me when I'm on a stool. I'm like, there's like a shelf up here. It's it's a whole new world. <laughs> that's that's me when I wear like huge heels. Like yes. sometimes I'll wear like six inch heels and I'm I'm up to my husband's shoulders at that point because he's a, a foot taller. <laughs> a platform boot, like life changing. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And yeah, like I know so many people who are dev advocates who have experience in acting or musical theater, like <laughs> that's me. And I am a huge Broadway fan. And oh, yay. You, I, I love your tweets uh, <laughs> where you say like one... Um, rent line because i know like that <laughs> oh, good. whole show you're I one of the, the 12 <laughs> yeah totally like every christmas eve at 9 p.m i oh my tweet God, yes. december 24th 9 p.m because that is the first line in rent <laughs> i have thought about building a bot for that because there's two there's two or three of those in musicals one is or I guess ragtime is like in 1902. That's not relevant. But in, um, I want to say in Little Shop of Horrors, it's like on the 21st of September. And my friend would always like post on Facebook that. And I was always so impressed that they would remember yeah, <laughs> all these like niche musical theater dates and times that are like, I can't remember an algorithm, but I can remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot to remember an, yeah. an algorithm and code from scratch. Like none of us code from scratch. I don't know why people think that. that I do have these moments. Possible. Like my boyfriend always joke, joked to me and jokes to me that like now that I am working in tech and have been working in tech for like the last six or seven years that the musical theater lyrics in my brain are slowly going on being, you know, they're all there. The other day I listened to the music man. I knew every line of that show. I was so, in the music uh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I I also know every line of that. Cause I was, I was in that in, um, High school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's crazy. <laughs> I'm so jealous. So I'm sure you feel the same way. So like I'm in my early 30s and when I was younger and I went to high school, elementary school, when I did youth theater, even when I did theater in college, there weren't the rights to cool musicals weren't released yet unless you did them like illegally at your like, you know, people would do like wicked but it was like they didn't have the rights to it like no one has the rights to wicked but we i swear we did like anything goes <laughs> like music man evita the kids these days Avita. do spring awakening shrek legally blonde i'm just like i would have killed to do some of yeah. these modern musicals i did chess the musical as like my show in college like i i'm of course as soon as you leave whatever you know, theater company you're doing, they do all the shows that you want to do, but yeah. man, just got out of, got out of theater, right? When the cool stuff started happening. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I could talk about this all day. <laughs> it sucks because like, there's, there's so much like performance, um, and experience in that but um yeah it'll come Let's, up along the way it's, it's yeah. a theme of my life <laughs> <laughs> it's a theme yeah so your new job at google like congratulations Thank first of you. all that is an amazing achievement it's not like they hire just anybody yeah <laughs> it's it's crazy i pinch myself <laughs> every day <laughs> that's awesome yeah so <laughs> tell us of your role and um experience in your first two weeks on the job since you just started 
Yeah. So this is my my second job at like a big company um, doing developer relations. And I, I'm, I'm only, I guess, two weeks in now. So a lot of my life has been onboarding. So like doing the necessary work to do the most important thing, which is get that Noogler hat, which I just put my order in for yesterday. Fun fact, this is a little skloosy. Um, when you order your Noogler hat, you get a choice between... So for people who don't know, when you when you start at Google, um, you go through the Noogler orientation. And Noogler is a new Googler. It's N-O-O-G-L-E-R. Um, and they have this kind of famous, iconic propeller hat, like almost like the... Um, uh, Lollipop Guild from Wizard of Oz, and it says Noogler on it in the Google font. But when I went to go order it, I found out that you can also get a headband. You, you can either or. You either can get a headband or a hat. I got the hat because I felt like I had to go classic. Um, but it's been great. I've been very impressed. You know, this is my, I guess, my my fourth company now that I've worked at um, while being in the engineering space. And there is such an emphasis. Like, you work at a lot of companies where you know, people will say we value inclusion or like we value building for everyone. And I have just been constantly impressed by how much of Google's onboarding has been really making sure that that they're explaining what that means and how to actually make sure that the products that are being built, especially when dealing with things like for me, I think a lot about AI, like as AI gets smarter, like we have a responsibility to like build it so everyone can use it. And, um, but yeah, I've, I've mostly been onboarding. I've met some of my team, which has been really exciting. And my job is, um, you know, really going to be cool. It, it actually is a really cool combo of my previous life as an actress and my current life, because a lot of my job now is on camera or doing podcasts. I work on a team that's the D DMN, that's like demon, <laughs> developer media network. And essentially what we do is we create a lot of content um, for a bunch of products within Google and Google Cloud. So yeah, it's really interesting because I thought about this a lot when I worked at Microsoft that, or even when I was applying for my very first job as a developer advocate. And for people who don't know, um, Developer advocates are basically like a liaison between engineering and marketing because marketing thinks they know how to talk to engineers and engineers think they know how to do marketing. And so that requires like kind of a middle person to be able to be like, hey, let's uh, not send a, a push email like every day, but, but also like you need to be able to understand what you're talking about, especially when you're making content. Um, so it's very cool because I always felt I had to learn the op and that's how I pitched myself for my first job ever as a dev role, where I was like, look, I'm fresh out of a boot camp. My coding skills and experience are down here, but my public speaking and on-camera experience is up here. So like, you kind of need to train me opposite to most of the candidates that you're going to have come through here. And that's been a, a bit of a blessing because, you know, I think for me, all of that stuff that I've had to learn for like how to read a teleprompter or like how to be on camera or how to cheat out or like find, find your light, you know, <laughs> like these are all things I went to college for. And um, I struggled a lot and I'm sure a lot of people struggle a lot with when you make a career switch, especially from something so different from like arts to technology. When I first started my boot camp, I was like, oh my God, I wasted four years of my life getting this stupid theater degree. I used to, actually, I used to be in these classes where like... <laughs> this gives people an insight into what it like if you've ever watched Barry or like some of these shows where they like kind of like make fun of acting classes and I say this as the daughter of, of a director and and professor of theater like there would be classes where I would just pretend to be a cat for like an hour <laughs> and I would like talk to my boyfriend other people have computer science degrees and they're like we studied algorithms and calculus and I'm just like one time I had to do a scene with someone where I just had to repeat the words to pee to pee <laughs> to pee and I'm like how do I have a degree um but I look back at that and I look back at my experience as an actor and yeah there were some really weird classes and things that I wish that I hadn't experienced but like I use all of that now and that shines through now especially when I worked at Microsoft I would do um you know work with with an on-camera team and they'd be like oh my god you already know how to do all this stuff and I'm like yeah I did this like <laughs> I, I didn't do a lot of film and television per se, but like that was a really interesting part of the pandemic was I knew how to like make a background. I knew how to do like so much of being an actor is like promoting yourself and promoting the show that you're doing. So, um, so yeah, it's very, it, it's 
the the way that my job at Google has sort of turned in, like I, I won't say it's acting at all because so much, you need to know what you're talking about. You need to know how to write what you're talking about as well because we write a lot of our own content. Um, but yeah, I think we we severely, never underestimate the power of like, an improv class or like a, like, I feel like a lot of people are doing that now with team building exercises. Like we're going to go do speechless or like, you know, learn how to do that kind of stuff. And I, I feel so lucky that this weird like hobby that I thought I was going to make into a career has, has helped me so much at Google of all places. It's so cool. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Um, so as a tech influencer, like I'm, I'm just kind of starting on that path and I know I have my struggles. What are yours? Oh man. Uh, how much time do you have? No, um, <laughs> how much time do you have? I have all day. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause like, I think the word influencer is so silly for me because I wasn't even on Twitter. So nobody used Twitter in theater. Like, I have like 60,000 followers on Twitter, which blows my mind because I can't believe that so many people, most of what I tweet is like stupid puns, <laughs> like very niche content. Um, but, but what I found, and I talked a lot about this, what, you know, when I was interviewing for my recent job is like people pick up on authenticity. Like I see a lot of people on Twitter or, or any social media platform for that matter, who are like, make sure to check out my talk about Kubernetes, hashtag Kubernetes, hashtag technology, hashtag. And it's like, this feels salesy. Like I, engineers can always smell from a mile away if you're trying to sell them something. So I've always taken into account throughout my whole career as a developer, evangelist and developer advocate, that the more authentic you can be, and, and I mean authenticity in terms of yourself, um, but also in terms of like the products you talk about, because I've been in situations where I've had to speak to a product that I frankly think is crap. Um, and I'm now at a point in my career where I can be like, no, I won't. <laughs> I won't be talking about this. This needs some work. Like, come back to me when it's done. Um, but yeah, I think that like being a woman online is a full-time job, um, especially being a technical woman online or a woman online in an industry that is not primarily women. Um I have learned not to feed the trolls. Uh, and, and by that, I don't mean like, you know, someone in their mom's basement. Like there's just, there's a constant kind of questioning of expertise and authority that, that comes with being a woman online. And there, I don't know if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm a huge RuPaul's oh, Drag Race yeah. fan. <laughs> well, no spoilers, but, um, you know, all hail Jinx Monsoon, one of my favorite queens. And on her original season, she was getting a lot of negative critiques from the judges. And she would just go, water off a duck's back, water off a duck's back. And um, I think I, I've learned to kind of, especially when you, my boyfriend loves to remind me, when you get to a certain amount of followers on Twitter, it's inevitable that you're going to have crappy people following you. It's just like a statistics situation at that point. Um, so it, I, I will say that the thing that helps me the most is I'm buddies with like two or three or maybe even four other women who are in a similar situation as me, where instead of reacting and commenting like, F you, like, you know, like whatever to whatever someone's saying to just like copy and paste it to someone else or screenshot and be like, can you believe this guy? Um, but I will say that like people, people ask me a lot, like, then why do you stay on there if it's so terrible? I've actually met so many amazing people, yourself included from Twitter. Like I've met some really dear friends. I've, you know, it's just, I've gone to people's weddings. Like um, the internet has really become like, I mean, it always, for me, I didn't mention this in my origin story, but I was on AOL Instant Messenger all the time. Like, I lived on the internet, Peek-a-Punk 13, um, had a Pokemon newsletter. Like, friendships online have always fascinated me a lot. I'm also very careful about it because I've met some freaking creeps on here. Um, but yeah, I think that, like, as far as being an influencer, I think so much of that just comes from, like, I... I filter my, I will say I filter myself. That has come with time learning what to say and what not to say and how spicy to get and how not spicy to get. That is something that's been learned and crafted over the last six years. Um, but um, I think that people just really respond. Like think about all of the, um, 
very niche nerdy fandoms that you love, right? Like I love musicals. I love like 90s stuff. I love Beanie Babies. And people, people who like the same things as you, like love the same things as you. So I try to just keep everything very authentic and specific to me. And I try really hard to never feel like, I don't know, I never, as a, as an influencer, I never want to feel like I'm being like, that, that, that what I'm doing doesn't seem authentic to me. <laughs> yeah. So keeping it real. And, and, I, and I tweet about stuff that isn't so great. Like, I'm like, hey, this sucks. And I wish it was different. People are like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, exactly. But if you're not having fun, like, well, I do have my dark moments on Twitter. But, like, I always just try to bring some whimsy and fun to what I do because I think people people like that fun. <laughs> people like to laugh. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um... – for me, like the comments I get aren't so much questioning my expertise, but on my looks. <laughs> and mm, yes. this is this is exactly why my camera ends here. Because mm-hmm. I don't show my boobs. <laughs> like because oh, I, yes. I used to get comments about that all the time. And, I get a um, lot about how pale I am. Or used oh god, to. yeah, same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is too. interesting because like I was talking about this with someone last year that like I I guess this this was pre-COVID. I was I was traveling a lot and speaking at a lot of conferences and doing keynotes and stuff. And I remember like I got anonymous feedback one time because some some of these conferences will be like, hey, here's all the like anonymous feedback from all these strangers. And I'm like, I don't want to read it. Like I, but I, I clicked the PDF file and some guy was like, her her outfit they said something about my outfit, either that it was too distracting or, or wasn't appropriate or something. And, but it was like, I think I was wearing a polka dot dress or something. It was like nothing revealing, nothing like that. Then I thought about it and I was like, what if I started commenting on like YouTube? Like, can you just, can you like put a dress shirt on? Like, you know, like there's such a double standard. I think there's that like famous meme of like Ed Sheeran next to Beyonce. And it's like expectations for women of how to dress and men. And, um, I was actually thinking about this yesterday, but like there, I have to put, I don't look like this when I wake up. I put makeup on. It takes me like 30 minutes to get ready. I got to blow dry my hair. Um, And I thought about like, there's a tweet somewhere crafted in my head where I'm like, I don't think some people fully understand being like, hey, can you hop on a call for a minute is like not an option for me because I will be a goblin ghoul woman. And like, I will not have my camera on. Um, So I think about that a lot in terms of like the tech industry, but I am treated differently if I don't wear makeup and I go to a conference, like, or, or even if I get on an airplane, it's not even a tech thing. So yeah, there's a lot appearance wise as a person online that I think about a lot. And I've tweeted about this before, but like, I don't ever show where I am or street signs. And I, I call this out a lot when I see it to other women, I, I'll DM them and be like, Hey, your, your address is in the background. <laughs> so, something like that. But, um, I'm, my, my social media presence may look very fancy free, but I, it's fully curated to make sure no one knows where I am or what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Same. Creeps I just, exist. <laughs> creeps totally exist. I just um, was awarded or accepted as a uh, Docker um, leader. Oh, nice. Congrats. Docker's great. Yeah. Oh, love it. I see the little whale behind you. I know. I was just going to (laughs) say, yeah. Um, And they set up a uh, meetup with like the city that I live in. And I was just like, can you not like, I don't want people to know... You can say like Orlando, you know, <laughs> sure, is, sure. is like a larger area, but I don't want my specific town. I don't want people to know where I live. Yeah, <laughs> well, this comes into play a lot. And I think it's worth mentioning, you know, I had a friend, I have a friend who had a very unfortunate incident when she was traveling for work at a previous company and um, is very aware and cognizant you know, she was telling me, and she's like, I never share what hotel I'm staying in. I usually stay at a different hotel than where, like, like think about when you do a team offsite or something like that. And so as an ally and as someone who also has these similar, you know, because it's pretty common to be like, oh, where are you staying during the conference, right? And I've now come to realize that, like, not everybody's comfortable sharing those things. And people mm-hmm. ask me, like, oh, where are you based? And I'll say Bay Area. Um, I, of course, am wearing a hat 
this is Real Housewives of Oakland, and people know that I live in Oakland, but I never say what neighborhood. Um, but I, but that's something I think about a lot, and unfortunately, something I've had a lot of conversations about at conferences when I used to be at one like every week, where women would buy like fake wedding rings. Like I met this fabulous girl who was like, "Oh my god!" Like people wouldn't leave me alone. So this is my, she had this bag. It was so funny, but so terrible all at once. Um, Wish.com, a a great website that I used to bulk order silly things from China. Um, You could buy these like very realistic looking engagement and wedding rings. And she's like, this is my beach wedding ring. This is my like Jewish wedding ring. And she had all these rings that she would put on for events. So men would leave her alone. And I thought that was really like, interesting because you know i i've run into my fair share of like awkward or weird situations just as a woman at these events but um yeah it's making sure that you're 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 safe and uh you know not feeling a lot of times people ask me oh who's who's your husband and i'll be wearing like a badge that's like keynote speaker and i'm like me like <laughs> or like oh are you here to see this talk and i'm like i'm giving the talk that you're in line for um so there's always a lot of assumptions about like you know i went to a a Docker meetup. It wasn't by Docker, but it was like, I was presenting about Docker once and I was on my computer. I was there like 30 minutes early because I was giving the talk and I looked up from my computer and there was a line in front of me. <laughs> and I was like, that's so weird. I was like, oh, can I help you? And they're like, oh, this is where we check in. <laughs> I'm like, no, sweetie, I'm the speaker. <laughs> so I, I encourage everyone, you know, we, and, and I do this as well. And I'm always very careful to be like, hey, are you technical, non-technical, like, I don't say it that way, but like, um, yeah, there's just a, a, an assumption in this industry, which is why I was so excited with the name of your podcast, like Tierra's in Tech, because I've always been a, a huge advocate of just like, let your freak flag fly. My nails are always painted, some crazy color. I always have some, I've actually toned down my, my outfits a little bit. I don't, I got rid of a lot of stuff that says stuff on it because I don't want people to talk to me in the real world. Um, but I, I've always just worn pink and fully embraced it because I, I didn't see a lot of that in that industry when I started. And I think, yeah, representation, I've spoken to Girl Scouts before I've spoken to like groups of younger women and, you know, be the gadget you wish to see in the world. Right. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I, I have to say my tiara, like my life didn't start until I made this brand. Oh my God. Like people love it. And I have to tell you, like in in the real world, I I do wear my. I mean, I live in Florida. No one cares if I'm walking around in a tiara. <laughs> She's going There's to Disney World. Here. <laughs> yeah, but like one time I was at Publix and I was checking out and I was wearing a tiara. And this lady was like, "Is it your birthday?" And I'm like, "No, it's just Tuesday." You know, I'm a queen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah, next we have a segment that I like to call Precious Gems. This is where I feature um, comments from our uh, people on social media, Twitter, and the like. And this time, I actually have a friend of yours, jQuery, was on recently, and she um, tweeted about it because she was so excited, and she wore a tiara. Um, And she she messaged me. She's so gorge. Like she was all excited about it. She was like, my tiara just came from Amazon. <laughs> it was Yay! so funny. But yeah, response to this um, <laughs> was that, you know, she's absolutely born to wear that tiara. So absolutely. Thank I you very much. I think jQuery is the best. I, right? I love all the content that they post. Like so fabulous. Totally. I, uh, I love that episode. I cannot wait for you to hear it um but yeah she is great all right so back to you and your story let's get back to musical theater (laughs) because that's the next question i i feel like for me my experiences on stage especially um when things went wrong and you have to figure out like what to do. That really helps me as a speaker. And I was just wondering what experiences as a performer help you as a speaker and advocate. Ooh, yeah, I will say it's funny that you mentioned like things going wrong because I have found throughout my career as a developer advocate type person, especially when we were 
in the pandemic doing virtual events um, and uh, in in person events as well. Um, one so one of the things that I feel like I has been an, a huge valuable asset is the idea of a hot mic. So like if you've ever done musical theater before they have these like body mics that they like tape to your cheek or sometimes they put them in your wig and uh you know i grew up in the theater and i vividly remember my dad ran a theater in sacramento and i thought it was the funniest thing because i was like five or six years old but an actor like went to the bathroom and their mic was still on so you could hear them like peeing and i was like oh my god but because of that and because i dated a director for a while and i discovered that whenever someone had a body mic on the sound booth could hear them. So anytime I would like gossip, I'd like cover my mic. Cause I'm like, Oh, they're listening in the, in the booth. Right. Um, but you really learn as an actor, like you're on at all times. Like the fear of the mic being on is one thing, but also like if you're backstage, there's an intercom that plays the sounds from the theater. So if someone's talking smack in the theater, you're going to hear it backstage. So there's this concept called the, the 10 block rule or the 12 block rule that they taught us in high school because we used to go to this uh, Linnea festival, it was called, <laughs> where you would go and you'd perform these monologues and dramatic scenes. We were like 15 and 16 doing like these very like cat on a hot tin roof and like Arthur Miller's A View from the Bridge. We thought we were just artists. Um, but every time we went, we would come back and our teacher would say, when you're in the room and when you're there, don't leave the room and be like, oh my God, that was a you know, that was terrible because you never know who's like, whose mom is sitting behind you. You never know. Like, and this goes for like real theater as well. I used to take like the BART home and I wouldn't have my wig on. People wouldn't know who I was. And I'd see people with the programs. They'd be talking about the show. Right. So I think with the internet, it's almost like the universe rule, right? Like go into a room, lock the door, <laughs> like turn, make sure all your cell phones are off kind of thing. Um, but being really kind and nice to everyone is is such an important part of this industry just like uh but I did notice with the hot mic thing that there would be moments that's why I'm always like are we live right now like anytime that something's recording you just never know like when the camera's on when the camera's off so I'll say that is one thing but also just things going wrong like I've been in shows before where the fire alarm has gone off I've gone been in shows where my dress has ripped like I had to do quick changes and time goes slower in those moments like if you've ever done a show and something goes wrong like I did chess the musical in college and there was this pivotal scene where uh this this man hands her a note and he's like Anatoly left you a note and Florence takes the note and she's like oh my god and the actor didn't ha I could see it all happen in slow motion he's like where's the note and in my head as an actor I'm going like how am I gonna make this plot point make sense he ends up not being a great scene partner and hands me a box of cigarettes, which were her his cigarettes, by the way, not the character's cigarettes. And I go, Anatoly wrote me this note on the back of these cigarettes. Like, you have to, like, fill in the blank, right? You really have to be on your feet. So that's happened a lot to me when giving presentations, when, like, doing things that you simply cannot call cut. Like, the show must, must go on, right? Um, so that's been a, a very vital asset of like how to perform literally under pressure <laughs> and like in situations where you, you I I've never considered myself an improviser but like the older that I get the older like I get I realize oh I, I've been improvising my whole life <laughs> exactly yeah I think like like you said improv is really important because especially okay so I I do not do live uh demos anymore mm -hmm. for conference talks oh. because like just oh my god i have code and like slides and stuff that the code's already built and i walk yeah. people through it so that i don't like always have an mp3 an of it on your desktop be oh, like oh here too. we go yeah it's i mean live demos i think at docker con years ago uh like five or six years ago they used to do like a, a ceremonial prayer like it at the keynote so that were like demo gods and i was like that is yep. relatable <laughs> Totally, totally relatable. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for them to send me my swag. I'm so excited. Yeah, but um, recently you were on a panel at Comic-Con. When I, I saw was. that, I was like, yes, I, I have not watched it yet. It's on... 
YouTube, I don't know. I'm sure. Um, it was recorded, but um, I don't know if it's up yet, but it will be eventually. <laughs> yeah. What was that like? That must have been like the thrill of a lifetime. Oh my God. It was like, honestly, one of the coolest things I ever got to do. And it was another one of those things where it was like, truly, you never know who you're going to meet in this industry and what opportunities may come from it. Um, my my dear friend and coworker Heather from Microsoft has been organizing panels at Comic-Con for, for a while and decided to do this panel on like non-traditional backgrounds, getting into tech. It was such a dream because it was myself, my dear, dear BFF, um, April Spate, who is uh, heads VR and AR and MR over at Microsoft, who comes from a fashion background. Um, we had someone who had a military background, Iasia. She's like incredible. Um, she now works on the Xbox team and like literally used to be like in combat. Um, and yeah, two, two very cool friends of Heather who come from the music and entertainment like representation part of uh, the world. And I was honestly just so thrilled to be at Comic-Con because I got to attend the full conference Thursday through Sunday. My, my talk was on, or my panel was on Sunday. I went for the full thing. It was the coolest thing I've ever been to. I got to do this severance immersive experience thing that I waited five hours in line for, and it was 100% worth it. Um, but I think what really – so I've been to RuPaul's Drag Con before. That's the only other con I've ever been Ooh. to. I've been twice, and I cosplayed at RuPaul's Drag Con. My faux drag queen name is uh, Tuck Everlasting. and But I didn't dress up for this Comic-Con because I kind of wanted to, like – see what everybody was doing and like get a feel for it but i had been trying to go to comic-con forever but it's so hard to get tickets for because there's like lottery system and all this different stuff and it's so much fun people watching and people are so passionate about very specific things which is my whole deal like i i love very niche animation things like and i was so pleased to not only see other like you would sit in these panels for like beloved shows like uh you know um what's an example like family guy or like solar opposites like shows that exist and everybody's like cosplayed as the different things and asking questions to the panel and like dan Harmon and everyone like that but then there were also people there were panels for new things like this new show little demon with aubrey plaza and danny devito i had to see danny devito in person because i'm like i love that little round egg man um and like the way that people get so excited about like just these these things that like it's so cool to be around other people who are as nerdy as you <laughs> is like the only way that I can describe it. Um, but I had a blast. For me, I was like, oh yeah, and I get to do a panel, but I get to go to Comic Con. But the panel was was great, and I think that like it's so cool that Comic Con not only has they have like a whole um, part of the expo hall that's just like how to classes. So I think the people after us were like how to get into voiceover work or like how to do these kind of things. Um, it was cool to see a lot of kids like watching the panel like figure out what they want to do with their life and um yeah it was a total dream come true i still can't i have like my my chloe condon comic-con like like the thing that they put on the 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 desk but um i was just so thrilled to be in the same room as stephen colbert with like thousands of other people <laughs> like i was i was being a complete fangirl the whole time <laughs> i would too my goodness that would be um really overwhelming like to yeah. even be asked to do that is amazing. I truly like, and you get to buy all this, like, there's so many amazing artists there who are selling like print and like designs and stuff like that. But truly it was, it's one of those things. I, I don't, all the stuff on my desk, you can't see my desk right now is like, I've got some cute little Funko Pops and like pink, lots of pink Sailor Moon kind of stuff. But like that Comic-Con like, you know, panel thing is like, what are my prized possessions now? Because I still, I see it and I'm like, I can't believe I got to do that. Like, that's so wild. Like, I, it still blows my mind that I got to do it. So I, I will hold that experience very near and dear to my heart. And I got to bring my boyfriend as my plus one. So I'm like the coolest girlfriend ever now. <laughs> I encouraged him. I, I actually told him to go during my panel. There was a what we do in the shadows panel. And I love what we do in the shadows. It's one of my favorite shows. And I told him, you know about my career. You go to that. <laughs> like Go to the what we do in the shadows panel. So it was it was fun. We got to kind of like divide and conquer. He went to more of the like Lord of the Rings, uh, Keanu Reeves, Berserker stuff. And I was like, 
you know, watching Danny DeVito and Bob's Burger stuff. So there's really something for everyone there. Like Comic-Con has now become such this broad, almost like television, pop culture, sci-fi thing. And uh, yeah, it makes me want to watch more anime. <laughs> there's a lot of anime there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm sure that it was just an amazing um, experience. Uh, I was wondering if you um, have a hard no, stop. No, no, no. Okay, cool. Because I, I have like three more questions and, you know, oh, go I, would, for it. I, I would really like to get to them. <laughs> yeah. So you, like me, love the 90s and, yes. and retro stuff. You can see all of my, my things in my um, logo, which yes. I made myself. Did you make it in Canva? Absolutely. I knew it. I've used some of those icons for my 90s show. Yes, yes, yes. It's I'm a Canva amazing. queen. I'm like, Canva, totally. please sponsor me. I love you, Canva. I use Canva yeah, for everything. So actually, um, they have a, um, a affiliate um, <gasps> program. Oh, yeah. you just changed my life. Okay. That's, I'm, I'm going to be looking that up right after this. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally signed up and I have plenty of content coming out. Like, oh my God, there's <laughs> like a singing joke. the praises. People like literally when I was at Microsoft, I would talk about Canva all the time. And when they were hiring for a developer advocate, when I was job searching, people were like, Chloe, your dream job. And I'm like, I, I, I can't, I could never, it's, per it's a perfect product. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. But yeah, so this episode 90s... is sponsored by Canva. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I should put the affiliate link in the description. Yeah, totally oh my will. god, get it. I totally will. <laughs> get that affiliate money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so retro stuff. Like I'm super into it. I'm older than you by about 10 years, but um yeah, as a teenager in the 90s, you can tell because my eyebrows are like non-existent. Um, <laughs> but what would you bring back if you could? Any Anything that's either pop culture, pop culture, tech, whatever. I know the answer to this. I think about this a lot. So when I discovered that okay so my dream i i was raised on television i watched so much disney channel and nickelodeon it was literally my life from ages four to like 18 like when i left the house um so much so that before i could even tell time i would know it was time for doug you know with daylight savings accounting for daylight savings i Doug and Rugrats were back to back and I knew that Doug was starting by like where the shadow on the house next door was. And I was like, it's Doug time, like got to turn on the TV. Um, I loved all the live. So I feel like I was so lucky to live during a time where live action, um, this like pre 9-11, right? Like studio audience shows were a thing. And at Nickelodeon, they would film a lot of them in Nickelodeon studios in Orlando, Florida, before they moved everything over to Los Angeles for like the Amanda show and everything like that. Um, and I have my friend April went and I have some friends who went, but I never got to go to Nickelodeon studios at universal studios in Orlando, Florida, where they filmed, I think they filmed uh double dare there. They did like Keenan and Kel. They did like all these live shows that you could be in the audience for. Um, and I, cried when I go this was like maybe like 12 years ago I was like what happened to this is before I went to um what's it called uh oh my god why am I forgetting it there's the two theme parks oh my god I've been there so universal no yes I don't wait. I don't know a lot about universal wait there's like Disneyland Disney World and mm -hmm. then there's uh, where do they have the Fast and Furious ride? I've been there a million times. Why am I like um, Universal Islands of Adventure? Is it's that what like you're where about? where do they do horror nights? Halloween horror night? Universal Studios, yes. Studios, so, yeah. So now those buildings they got turned into like office park buildings, and and like I think that should be 
I think that should be a museum. <laughs> like for me, I'm like, that is where the golden age of television happened the same way that I'm sure that they've kept the sets of like friends and like, I love Lucy and stuff like that. I'm like, this should be a time capsule. Um, so I would bring back that experience. Cause I think that like my dream growing up was like, oh my God, I have to be on Double Dare, but I was an only child. So I had thought this all through where I was like, okay, I need four people to be on Double Dare. Maybe I can like get someone to pretend that they're my sibling. <laughs> like I, I was trying to think of all of these ways that I could like go and watch it. Um, but I think that that was just like such a cool, they had like the slime fountain and they had, you know, all of this stuff. And I guess there's now a Nickelodeon themed indoor theme park at like the Mall of America or, or something like that. But I really wish that we had that that golden age of like Nicktoons and all of that stuff because everything now is like laugh track, like none of it's actual like in studio audience stuff. And um, I was actually just listening to it for anybody who loves the 90s. I just started listening to a podcast. It's a Boy Meets World podcast with Topanga, Ryder Strong, the whole gang. Um, what? Let me give I the have name to of subscribe it. Subscribe to this. Oh my God, subscribe to it right now. It's called Pod Meets World. I've only listened to one episode so far and it's changed my life. I'm going on a tangent, but like everybody will love this. It's cool. So it's a podcast. It's, don't worry. <laughs> they basically, I didn't even realize. So I have a, an idea of how 90s television was produced, but um, they really go into detail on this. They, they show some really cool behind the scenes footage on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air documentary they just did for HBO. But the way that they describe the... Like nowadays you just, you rehearse, you go in and you shoot it and it's like done and they add the laugh track. But they were explaining that their schedule for doing Boy Meets World, so they had a, I, I forgot his name, something Michaels was a very famous um, television producer and they couldn't rehearse or do anything on Fridays because it was the Sabbath and he was Jewish. So I think the way that they did it was Thursdays, they would get the script and this was pre-internet. They would like have to have a courier go to everyone's house, including the costume people, the actors, it's like a hundred people probably drop off the script. They would rehearse, they do a table read, they do a rehearsal and then the live audience would come in. And they said that the way, like in the early days, it was just kind of like people want to see a television show, but towards the end of the show, it was like, it fueled the performance. And it was like the way that they were describing it really sounded like theater where you'd like hear the, the room would get warmer and you hear the buzz of the theater and the lights would come on and like you'd, you'd feed off the energy of the audience. And I think that's missing a lot from TV right now. Like I, I watch a lot of, I don't watch a lot of, um, I guess, sitcom situational stuff. I, I watch a lot of trash. I watch a lot of reality TV. Um, but listening to them talk about like, oh yeah, it was like putting on a full performance. I think that's what I loved so much about um, even things like the dinosaurs or like there was just so much effort being put into these shows and I think that's why I hold them so near and dear to my heart is like these were acts of love like Rugrats when it was like physically drawn versus like the CGI stuff now took hours and hours Pee-wee's Playhouse was like such an arts and like ode to arts and crafts so yeah I would bring back like I guess Nickelodeon Studios but also just live um, multicam television with a live audience like think about remember whenever you watch like step by step and the audience like someone would kiss and they'd be like Woo! like I miss that <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally you have no idea how much I love Boy Meets World you're you gonna just, love like, this podcast yeah because well, they also even talk about like you know uh the I can't like why am I Eric, the guy who plays Eric struggled a lot with anxiety. He Will, was a lot older um, than the cat. Will Friedel. Will Friedel. Mm -hmm. Um and then Ryder Strong was like like they it's their first time all three of them watching them back as adults. They're also doing commentary on like, oh my God, my outfit or my hair, or like, ooh, this episode hasn't aged well. And that's been such a fun part of doing our nineties podcast is like sometimes we'll watch something, we'll be like, That was great. And sometimes we're like, Oh my God, this would never come out now <laughs> like this man is stalking this woman um so yeah it's, it's cool to kind of see how entertainment has changed so much since the 90s yeah exactly speaking of your podcast excellent segue tell us about it Oh, yeah. Um, so I have a podcast called Salute Your Scorts, and it's a 90s podcast. We went on a brief hiatus, um, but we're coming back. I think probably we're dropping our uh, newest episodes, Rugrats and Airbud, um, over the next couple weeks. But every episode, we dive into a specific uh, piece of content. So we've done 
Are You Afraid of the Dark, The Parent Trap, Get a Clue, which was like this niche Lindsay Lohan Disney Channel original movie. Um, and we really get into like uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen Adventures, uh, Johnny Tsunami. And it's cool to watch these things as an adult. I was just re-listening to our Johnny Tsunami episode um, where you'll see like early versions of the internet like in some of these Disney Channel original movies and or like plots that would completely not work today because we have cell phones. Like there's, I mean, we, you see that a lot with Seinfeld or like things that you watch from back then where it's like, oh, they had a landline and like that's the whole center of this plot. But um, yeah, we, we have a good time. We even did an episode where I was about to get rid of all of my McDonald's and Burger King toys and we like <laughs> kind of walked through them all. Um, but I, Sarah, my co-host and myself, we just have a real love for, we had very stressful childhoods. So through therapy, I've realized in a lot of ways that uh, this show is my way of kind of like being able to stop and appreciate these things that were just so cool and interesting that I didn't feel I got proper time to marinate in, so to speak. But um, it's also just lovely to bring people on the show. Like uh, we brought on Danny Ramos, who's uh, another devil who works in the community. And we did an episode on all that. And like hearing about so he's a comedian turned developer advocate and hearing about how like seeing people like him represented on the screen, you know, doing comedy like was so important to him. It's like, yeah, like so much like Nickelodeon did such a good job of representation and like it's like Nick news. Like there were there were like news things for kids and they were really treating us. There's a great documentary called The Orange Years, I think, on Hulu that I've watched part of that talks about um, when they were developing Nickelodeon that there was just such a like they they wanted it to always feel like they were talking to the kids and not talking to like the adults and um when i think about spending so much time between disney channel and nickelodeon like there is such a difference right like nickelodeon had commercials and disney channel just had like right. interstitials that were like who were on the red carpet for the lion king um but but so much of that was formative and so for me like my long-term goals are i would love to create children's television or like some something that is like exposes kids to like what I think is important for kids to be exposed to like be that STEM or, or whatever that may be um, but I think there's such a responsibility on people who make like it drives me nuts when I go to like someone's house who has kids and they're watching Baby Shark or like Coco Melon I'm like this is melting my brain I want something silly and stupid like Rocco's Modern Life so um, yeah it's just so much of that is who I am and has has formed who I am so I love uh, we did a Thumbelina episode where like I realized just how much Thumbelina <laughs> aesthetically you know changed my life and um, it's always fun to with, when we bring our guests on they usually choose the show so like why did you choose this episode of full house or why did you choose this episode of boy meets world and what did it mean to you it's like oh i learned about loss through this episode like people process a lot of things through television and film <laughs> yes absolutely and it's um it's interesting how uh everything that we watched as children like really shaped us as as adults i i also watched a lot a lot of yeah. disney channel and DCOMs, Disney yes. Channel original movies. Oh, which yeah. all of them are on Disney Plus now, which is like yeah, so totally. crazy. <laughs> oh my God. I I recently watched uh, Wendy Wu Homecoming Warrior. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I keep getting Disney Plus is like, do you want to watch Luck of the Irish? And I'm like, do I? Probably mm -hmm. should wait for the podcast. But <laughs> we just did Su Suzy Q recently. Um, that one's coming out in a while. We have a bunch of back episodes that we just need to edit and release. And it's just always so interesting of like what people – like we usually ask our guests like what are your top three? And, um, you know, usually we, we've covered one of them and then there's two that I'm like, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot about that one. And like to do these – we did a uh, – what is the – well, I guess the snowboarding one is um, Johnny Snowy, but, but I can't wait to do motocross because like motocross is such an interesting, not only is it Shakespeare, but it's like an interesting conversation about like gender identity. Like if like basically she pretends to be a boy to like be with the boys, it's like very, uh, what is it? I can't think of the Shakespeare play right now, but um, as oh, you like right. it, maybe. Yeah, um but yeah, it's like very cool to see and also to see a lot of this stuff get revamped now in modern day. <laughs> sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. Um, 
but I, I really enjoy the episodes where we get a guest who's like, I want to do Hey Dude. And I'm like, thank you. Like, that is such a deep cut. So much of those actors are, like, working now. Goofy Movie was, was also one that was just, like, such totally. a lovely. And then learning about the histories. Like, I won't get into it too much. Listen to the pod if you're interested. But um, we did Rockadoodle and Thumbelina. And I've learned so much about Don Bluth, who was this Disney animator who left and went and did his own thing, which were most of the VHSs that were cartoons when I would go to the video store. So yeah, there's such a like rich history of that era that like, I, I love being a 90s historian because of that. Exactly. It was a great time to be oh, alive. It was just yeah. so awesome. The animation too. Like sometimes it gives you a little bit of Hand a seizure because it's... <laughs> Yeah, but they were trying out like new things. Um, like I, this gives you an idea of what I do with my free time. But I had this like YouTube suggested video about the woman. I think her name's like Shelly something or Sherry something. Who, when they did Little Mermaid, was doing all the physical movements, and they would videotape her. And you know that like famous iconic moment of the Little Mermaid where she's like out of the sea and she's like reaching through the grotto or through her little like thing. They literally had this lady, she was like part of the groundlings, I want to say, and she ran an improv class and they had her audition and she's just on like a spinning chair like this, just spinning. And you think about like how Imagineers and how people end up making these things that we now consider like cinematic masterpieces and it's like with an office chair. <laughs> and I think that's like the beauty of art is so much of the stuff that we do is like scrappy or I think of like life-changing theater that I did when I was in college. I'm like, we built a set out of kitty litter boxes. You know? <laughs> and when people are like, oh, how do you come up with these creative ideas in tech? I'm like, I used to have a budget of zero <laughs> enough to just build something literally out of nothing. And that's what's been so cool about working in tech is like having the resources and budget to create what I always wanted to create. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I always love when my guests who are pros at podcasts, like to do the, the segue to the next question. But yeah. Um, what advice uh, do you have for anyone who is uh, interested in tech as a career? Ooh, well, I'll say this. It's, it's not easy. Um, there's this image called the iceberg of success that they had in the bathroom of the boot camp that I went to where it's like what people see and it's like the fame the accolades the glory the job blah 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 and then like under the iceberg it's like the rejection the stress so I will say you know we're getting into this industry and making a career change is very hard it takes a lot of work it's not like you wake up one day and you're like I'm gonna be a software engineer um there's some very high highs and some very low lows but I think the most important part, especially if you're trying to get into tech from a non-traditional background, is to really stay true and authentic to yourself. Like the industry does not need more copy paste of what we have. Like if you are thinking or struggling and kind of being like, I am a, I'm just looking around my desk. I make scissors, you know, like, like how will this be applicable? I promise you that your experience in whatever you're doing now is not only valuable, but like of interest to the community. And I think about this a lot from like the perspective of products that we build, like be it at Google, be it anywhere, that having different voices in the room, like di diverse voices, and I don't mean diversity from the perspective of like race, gender. I, I mean, I do, and that usually comes hand in hand with it. But I just mean like, imagine you're building like a farming tool and you don't have any farmers in the room, you know, giving feedback. Like, the best example or my favorite example is this kind of a crude one, I guess, is um, Twitter released. It's now RIP gone, but had this feature called fleets. And it was basically stories for uh, but for Twitter. If they had had one gay man or, or, or gay person from the LGBT community, they would know that fleets is a common term for a douching anima. So that is not a great name. And so like... There's so many like reasons to have uh, people that we wouldn't consider. I think when we think of tech, we think of like white man, right? Like, or which is not always a stereotype, but I'll say as a woman who works in tech, that is often who I'm in the room with. Um, and when it comes to just like getting into this industry, 
and people that I've mentored and myself included, I think the instinct is to be like, oh my God, what am I doing here? I had to Google what STEM was on my first day of my boot camp. I was like, is this some botany crap? Like, what, <laughs> what are we talking about here? Um, but with time, you start to realize like, oh, that like class that I took in, you know, improvisational theater is actually really useful for what I'm doing now. Or, oh, I know how to make my own designs and graphics. Like, this is something that I didn't think I would use again. So I promise you that it takes some time, but your previous experience in your previous life is so valuable and useful to what will be your future career. So um, yeah, hang in there, get a good mentor would be would be my, my best advice to anyone is find someone in the industry uh, who knows this industry because that's also something that's been so crazy to navigate is like levels. We never had levels, you know, in retail or in, at summer camps that I worked at, um, knowing how to get promoted, knowing how to deal with difficult conversations. Like I'm very lucky and I have a partner in the industry, but I also have like uh, friends and mentors that I go to where I'm like, hey, this manager said something really weird to me. Is this normal? Like, can you, can you like talk me through this? So um, yeah, finding your I guess it's like kind of finding your community is important. Finding a mentor is really important. And uh, it's okay to cry. My boyfriend will tell you I got through uh, my boot camp on tears and code (laughs) and coffee. Like I had such bad imposter syndrome. Just know that like even people like me, uh, half the time I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I I don't – what am I doing here? I I feel – I'm finally at a point where I'm like, yeah, I – I think I earned it and I deserve to be here, but I still have my moments where I'm like, what the heck? Like, how did I get here? Um, but just know that never goes away and it's totally normal. And we work in an industry that is changing rapidly and constantly. And um, everyone feels like a fish out of water. So I always tell people I'm three Muppets in a trench coat. I'm like, <laughs> just trying to figure out what the heck this industry is and how to navigate it. And I've definitely made mistakes. Um, but like, yeah, I think if, honestly, my advice is like, if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> Anybody can do it. Because I am just some quirky musical theater girl who has somehow found her way to Google. Um, but I think I found my way to Google because I was like, oh, I want to do like this specific. I didn't even know that what I do right now was a job. Like, um and it, there's a great book. Um, I will send a link to it that my friend did this like workshop book that's like how to figure out like what your dream job is because for me if you ask me what my dream job was eight years ago I'd be like Elle Woods and Legally Blonde the Musical (laughs) or in Frozen Live at the Hyperion um but those were just jobs that I knew existed and when I started my boot camp I didn't even know I would be working in the job I work now so yeah just be like open to what the universe brings you you know (laughs) Very, very wise words. I'm so sad that I have to wrap this up. I could literally talk to you like all day. Oh my gosh. We'll have to have you on the pod. You'll have to come love be it. on yeah. your Scorch. Totally. <laughs> I could talk about anything 90s girl. Like, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I'll <laughs> get, I'll get our, your top three after this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So um, <laughs> before I let you go, can you tell people where to uh connect with you online um i am mostly active on twitter just my name chloe condon i'm on instagram as git forked g-i-t forked that's a good place pun if you're non-technical and a uh engineering pun if you are um yeah i guess uh, those are the two probably best places to find me and um I, I also do stuff on YouTube. You can just look up saluteyourscorts.com uh, if you want to check out the podcast. But I'm all over the internet. <laughs> yes, you are. Chloe, thank you so much for being here. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me. If you want to support us, please like, subscribe, and share this episode with your fellow gems. Let me know in the comments what other topics you would like me to cover and follow TRs in Tech on social media and use the hashtag MakeYourselfShine. Thanks for watching or listening, and have a great day.